0: What's up everybody and welcome to B2B Made Simple. If you're passionate about marketing, you're in the right place. Whether you're doing marketing for a brand new startup or a hundred million dollar enterprise, you'll learn strategies that'll help you build a solid team, impact your pipeline, and look like an absolute rock star to upper management. Why? Because these guys are the pros. They're not pretending to know the industry, they're in the trenches on a daily basis. My name is Sam Moss. I'm the co-founder of OneClick Agency. We build websites for B2B companies and I'm also the co-host of this podcast. If your goal is to become the marketer everyone else looks up to, keep listening. Hey, hey everybody. Welcome back to B2B Made Simple. It's good to have you all here. Um, I have a really cool guest with me today. His name is Cassidy Shield. He's the VP of Marketing at Narrative Science. Cassidy, it's a... Honored to have you here, man. Yeah, great to be here, Sam. Looking forward to the conversation. Very cool. Well, let's kick this off with a fun question. Um, we're mixing it up a little bit. So if you had to choose between a TV show and a movie, let's say you sat down tonight and you had the, the option, what do you think it would be? <laughs> I love that. Uh, I would go movie um,
1: because I feel, you know, I miss the movies right there's not that many new movies coming out we're not there's going not. to the movie theater yeah I feel like my wife and I have a good handle on the movie on the TV shows um mm-hmm. but I just like the idea of like sitting there relaxing and doing nothing for a couple hours and watching a movie I kind of miss that
0: Do you have any theaters open near you where the where they have those big reclining seats <clears throat> I've seen some with food that looks so fun I've never been to one
1: Yeah they're amazing We have one. Um, really close to us, and that's our de facto movie theater. Massive leather seats, like you're sitting in first uh, class yeah. on an airline.
0: That sounds fun.
1: Food, drinks, alcohol, um, <laughs> state-of-the-art sound system. Like you can't really get any better than that. Like, and it's funny because my kids are uh, 10, 8, and four, and so the ten and eight-year-old have been to the movie theater. That's the only theater they under- they know. Like, so if you try to take them to another theater, they're like, "Hey, where's the food, Dad? Like, <laughs> why are these seats small?"
0: <laughs> that's they. So they would not have coped very well with my childhood because i lived in a i lived in a small town and semi sheltered growing up so i wasn't allowed to watch really like pg-13 or anything like that until i was older so whenever we went to the theaters and it was a kids movie it was in like the least popular theater there's like four movie screens in the theater right and they had like chairs you'd find in a church no arms like nothing it was just uncomfortable right and that's what I grew up going to the movies as so I always was like excited to be older to like watch it in like the big boy theater but uh eventually it came and and uh it wasn't all it's struck up to be. but it's just funny
1: that's hilarious yeah I grew up in a small town too we had like we had two screens in our movie theater right so like the the bigger the big theater with like the the main movie and then like the little theater with the yeah <laughs>
0: that's the one, the one that's I, I was always off. in was the little theater that's funny <laughs> um well, awesome, man. I'm excited to to hop in here. Um, so let's, let's get right into the agenda. Um, the first thing I want to cover is a lot of marketers believe that you either need to be data-driven or creative, and there's not really a blend between the two. Um, I guess I, I want your take on why that is.
1: Yeah, I, um, I feel like it's been kind of this badge of honor rite of passage as marketers kind of evolved where you're either the, the creative thinker and doer or you're the mm-hmm. person who looks at the data and you're analytical. And for whatever reason, there's been this stigma where data people like to say they're not creative and creative people like to say they're not data-driven. Um, true or not doesn't matter. You know, in the marketing profession, you, you need to have both, especially today, right? So what I like to say is um, that for creative people, understanding data will actually make you more creative and for data people being creative will actually make you better at understanding what you need to be doing going forward and where to prioritize. And so mm. I think it's upon marketers to not be intimidated by either one and um, make sure that they're, you know, capable of both um, mm. if you want to be successful going forward. And if you're not going to do that, then I think your your success and your growth will be limited.
0: Yeah. Would you consider yourself a blend of both?
1: I would definitely consider myself more data driven. Mm -hmm. That's more natural for me. Um, But what I, what I appreciate is the creative side of marketing. Um, I certainly would love to dabble with it. My team will say I'm not very good at it. Um, But what I allow the team to do is be creative, right? Mm -hmm. I can, when you're looking at the data, you can point people in the right direction and say, okay, we know like that's the hill we need to go tackle now creatively, how are we going to tackle it? Mm -hmm. Um, And I think what that does is gives creative people much more purpose. You know, think about how creative people work. You have to write this thing called a brief, which drives me nuts. But the brief, in essence, is boxing in kind of what you want to do. It's, it's in essence, using data in a kind of abstract way to say, okay, we need to solve this problem and we need to be creative about it. And we need to figure out a a new and unique way to do that, to draw people Mm -hmm. in. I mean, that's really what data is doing. It's no different than creating a brief. It's just doing it more dynamically.
0: I'm kind of in the same camp as you where I lean data-driven for sure. And quite honestly, I envy a really creative marketing team. I'll see, um, especially in the B2C space, they're just, they're way better at it, I think, than B2B companies. Um, Not saying that B2B marketers aren't getting there and kind of experimenting, but the B2C space is way ahead of it. And I just Envy, like the creativity that I see, because I'm like, I actually kind of suck at that. And it's like, it makes me jealous to see a company uh, just do so good. I'm just like, how did I not think of that? That was so simple yet. So insanely good. Um, and it's just like, it makes me want to be better at it, but I think there comes a point when it's, you appreciate it and therefore you hire for it. Um, you are open to bringing people on that do that more. And would you say that to whether it's, let's say we're talking to a VP or a director of marketing or a CMO, and they are kind of leaning one way. Um, what is a way that they can get around that if they don't really have the skills in the other direction. Um, what are they looking for in hiring? What are they looking for in communication when it comes to being balanced like that?
1: Yeah, I think um, one, yeah, just hire for it. I mean, I think we, we we put a lot of times kind of artificial barriers around like things we can't do. Oh, we can't do this because X, Y, and Z. Well, when we tell my team, it's like, we'll just go figure it out. Like if you mm-hmm. if there's a lack of skill in the team, <clears throat> go figure out creatively how to get that skill in the team. From a hiring perspective, I think it's 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 not about hard skills anymore. It's about things like creativity, problem solving, grit, um, the ability to handle failure. I mean, whether you're hiring for a person that's data driven or you're hiring somebody that's more creative, you, you know, you need to have these capabilities in your marketing team because <clears throat> your marketing team needs to be thick skin. They need to be on the mm-hmm. front lines, kind of leading the business in. Um, you know, you need people to be able to do that. Those things tend to be things that aren't, I'm good at Photoshop or that I've been into design for, you know, 15 years. It comes back to, are you curious? Can you solve problems? Can you look at, do you have the foresight to look at innovation and B2C marketing and apply it to B2B? Like those Mm -hmm. are the things where um, we focus on hiring for um, in addition to cultural fit. So like, it's really less about, the tangible skill set of where you went to school. And it's more about who you are as an individual.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, so how big is your marketing team at Narrative Science? Do you guys have, do you have a team below you?
1: Yeah, we have, um, um, I always, I should know this number off my head because it's not very big. It's you know, <laughs> six six or seven people on a team. Yeah. Um, we have a few more coming in this summer. Um, now for the company, our size, some might say that's a decent sized marketing team, but we also... How many employees
0: um, total?
1: About 80 total.
0: Okay. Yeah. And I mean, so, that, that's definitely a, a decent sized marketing team for sure. Yeah. So we,
1: um, a few things in that, you know, we kind of have, you can think of the team in kind of three ways. One is growth, which is kind of a combination of brand and demand gen. We have product marketing and then we, we run all the kind of the, the tech stack for marketing and sales and we do all the revenue operations within the marketing team. Mm-hmm. Um, we're also largely an inbound shop. So 95% of our demand comes inbound. So what, what, what tends to get lost in these conversations of like, how big is your marketing team versus others of the size of revenue and size of employee count is you kind of got to look at marketing and sales together. So we have a marketing team that's bigger than the sales team because they're driving the inbound demand and the sales Mm -hmm. team is in there obviously to convert that. Other organizations that are small have massive sales teams because they're doing a bunch of outbound and SDR and BDR work and they have small marketing teams. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, you look at it holistically, it makes sense. But when you're looking at it as just kind of a metric, like this is where the data doesn't always play out, uh, you're looking at it from a ratio perspective, it looks off.
0: Mm -hmm. I'm curious, and maybe you don't have an answer to this, but if you had to (laughs) analyze like the ratio of marketers on your team Uh, One side is data-driven and one side is creative. Do you think you're pretty 50-50 or is it lean in one direction?
1: Um,
0: It's interesting. I would say we're close to
1: 50-50. And ironically, I would say the growth team side of this is much more creative, Mm -hmm. Um, even though they can, they're data sufficient, like they understand the data, they still love it they're much more creative, which is, which is great. I'd much rather have a growth team being creative than being kind of data driven. Mm -hmm. Then you look at kind of the operations, product marketing side, they're much more data driven. Um, So it's a nice blend. Yeah. And so, Um, you know, in, in, you know, the, what I do is I push the, the team has to understand the business and that means they have to understand the data to some point. So like, Mm -hmm. I would say the literacy, the entire team has gotten substantially better over the last couple of years.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, like me, you kind of lean the data driven. So I'm curious, what are some ways that you found to spark your creativity? Because just because I'm data driven, like I said, I, I love creativity. <laughs> I just don't think I'm very good at it. And uh, like I said, I envy people that are good at it. So what are some ways that you found? Um, maybe there's, I'm sure there's a lot of people that are data driven listening to this. What are some ways you found to kind of spark that creativity?
1: Yeah, like I, I think of like the creativity side of this is kind of where I'm really curious. And so mm-hmm. I love understanding how other companies and other businesses um, you know, are successful and kind of what they do to kind of get people to engage with them. So like you, I take inspiration from you know, companies that are not B2B necessarily, they're B2C mm-hmm. or the B2B companies doing things that are taken from the B2C world. Mm-hmm. I follow people who I admire from a creativity perspective and who think differently than me. So I'm sure, you, you, and that's easy to do these days on LinkedIn. Um, and I would say the third thing is I, I push the team to be creative, meaning it doesn't, the ideas aren't mine, but I, but I want to make sure that they feel like they have the freedom to be as off the wall as they can be. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I have a good sense of when I feel like we're getting um, too robotic And that's where I need to kind of unleash the team to be, all right, like this isn't who you are. You need to kind of take a step back, brainstorm, riff, come up with ideas that that kind of use your talents and your passions to be creative. And I learned from them Um, Mm -hmm. probably the most actually. So
0: it reminds me, I had a guest on the podcast pretty early on um, and they, they, they explained some ABM strategy they were doing. And uh, it was along the lines of, it was. Like a baseball card for their ideal buyer, and then it had like big league Chew, and I'm just like, that's so cool. That cool. And I'm, I'm she's like, yeah, like our ideal buyers are from the 80s, like it was just a childhood memory for them. And I'm like, that's genius. And she's like, well, it's my team's super creative, and I let them be creative. And I think that just going to sort of attest to the point that you are who you are around, and if you build a team for your weakness, then it's only going to spark creativity in yourself. Um, you just have to be open to it, right?
1: Yeah. I love, I like that, man. I like that idea too. That's, that's, uh, it's really good. You know, like, I think we all take inspiration by people are obviously trying to market and to us. Mm-hmm. And so when that happens, when do we say like, and we all look at an ad or an email or whatever, something we see online and be like, no, oh, that's really cool. That's really clever. That's, that really kind of hit me emotionally. And so just file that away and like Mm -hmm. go study it later and learn from it and say, how could I replicate that for my audience? Um, so in many ways, that's data, like in Mm -hmm. some, you know, you're, you're, you're analyzing and assessing something and you're trying to break it down to figure out like, why did I have such emotional impact on me? Um, and what can I do about it? And so that's kind of how those two things come together.
0: Mm -hmm. You mentioned previously, uh, you like your team to understand, the business as a whole. Um, so how operations run, maybe finances. Can you touch on that? Um, I can't remember if you said it helps with the creativity and or the data-driven side, but I'm curious as to why. Why do you think that's important?
1: Yeah, I think this is where most marketers get in trouble or get stuck. And so uh, I've said this online a few times, like marketing has to stop complaining. It's everybody else's fault. It's the CEO doesn't understand it. Mm-hmm. The sales team doesn't get it. And really, when you dig into it, what you find out is marketing doesn't actually understand those functions or the business in general. And what I mean by that is, how do you make money? How does somebody buy your product? Can you demo the product if you have one? Can you pitch the service if you're a services company? Do you understand the competition in the market? You even though how big it is, who they are, why are they different? Do you listen to sales calls and go on sales calls? What you find is, you know, marketers will talk about all these things, but seldom many of them do it. Mm -hmm. And so what happens then is when you come to try to explain the value of marketing to a senior executive and you don't understand the business or how they think about the business and the strategy of the company, you are going to fail. And this by and large is what I see is the big, big disconnect between kind of marketers and their frustration and everybody else in the senior leadership team
0: hmm Chris Walker brought up a good point. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with him, but uh, he uh, he was saying when he was working at a SaaS company, um, he just stopped talking about marketing stuff with the senior team, right? Or the upper, upper level management. And he would just report on metrics that were important to them. They don't care about MQLs, They care about, well, how much revenue did we generate? Because that's ultimately what matters. So he identified that because he's been doing it in the past with his own companies. He had, uh, I think he did some e-commerce stuff. And because he was, he knew how the business functions, he knows what's important to the CEO, the CFO, whoever's in that C-suite. And he just said, look, this is how much we were able to generate in Pipeline. This is how much revenue came from marketing. And if you can figure that out, because you understand business principles, you're just setting yourself up for success, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely. If you want to, um, you know, if, if if you think the sales team is not doing, not following up and doing what they should be doing, go learn their process, take some calls and you'll have mm. a better, you'll, you'll be more authoritative in those discussions. If, you know, you think it's a product problem, can you pitch the product? Do you use the product? Do you know anything about it? When you learn that, you can have a much more serious conversation with the product organization. So, that's how you contribute to being part of the team, not just kind of sit in your little walls of marketing and kind of do your thing and mm-hmm. track, you know, to Chris's point, metrics that nobody else gives a shit about.
0: Literally. I can say that. <laughs> so have you, what, what have you done? Um, did you have a business or a side hustle or did you make an intentional point just to learn business operations? I mean, you're the VP of marketing. You've obviously have learned how to communicate properly with the C-suite. What are some takeaways that you have that you have learned in the past Um, when it comes to understanding how the business actually works?
1: Yeah. I mean, um, my background's helped. Um, I haven't always been a marketer. I started in supply chain. I was a consultant. So as a consultant, obviously you spend your entire day talking to clients and customers, um, Mm -hmm. most of which are more senior than you. Um, Because I've had an operational background and I was curious, I always understood, I had to understand how their business operated. So for me, it's always been natural, no matter who I'm talking with or what company I'm in. First thing I need to understand is like how the business works. Uh, Second part of my career, I was um, in software development and software engineering. So I ran product management. I ran software engineering team. um, I built products. I had a P&L. I sold to big clients. So that's afforded me, obviously the opportunity to sit inside a leadership team in a large organization um, Mm -hmm. as part of, as owning a piece of that business. And then my third career was marketing so like not everybody gets to do that that was obviously an orthodox way to come through marketing but it's helped me become a better marketer but the lessons along the way are all the same and that is Mm -hmm. like you got to understand the business first and how you make money and be curious about that like why would you join a company and then not figure out how that company runs operates ticks you know like that's that's the fun part of like business is understanding business Mm mm-hmm And when you're curious about that and you figure it out and you ask the dumb questions, then it makes it a heck of a lot easier to do whatever you're doing. Marketing, sales, product, engineering. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that that step is skipped a lot. And I don't know if it's because marketers are intimidated to ask about things that they don't know. Um, Some of this is on leadership because I think leadership does a poor job of explaining how their business operates to various functions, including marketing. Um, So... But, you know, the marketers need to know this. So it's upon them to kind of figure it out.
0: Mm-hmm. So just so, I mean, be curious. Yeah. So I was going to say, you, if you had one tip to give to marketers, yeah. it's just ha- have curiosity for how Absolutely. things work beyond just your department, right?
1: Absolutely. Um, like you're spending a lot of your time in a company, like be passionate about how that company works and operates and mm-hmm. it's a living thing. So how does it survive and live and thrive? And those are things that, you know, every employee should be trying to figure out.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree with that. Um, Cool. Well, let's move on to the final segment of the podcast. We introduced this uh, not too long ago. We're just trying it out. Um, You have plenty of experience being a podcast host. So this will be no sweat for you. But we're going to give you the mic and give you the reins here to ask some questions. So is there anything that comes to mind that you want to ask me um, to close out the show here?
1: Yeah, I do. have. Uh, I do have one. I have a couple. So the first is obviously you've interviewed a lot of marketers. Mm-hmm. Um, what is something that you're not hearing that surprises you?
0: Just in the marketing space or like practices, I guess expand on that a little bit.
1: Yeah. Like just um, in the marketing space, you've interviewed a lot of people Mm -hmm. what's missing in the conversation when you're listening to marketers? Is there, is it um, something they're not doing? Is it something they're not saying? Is it something they're not thinking about? What's kind of surprised you? I'm sure you hear a lot of the same things. What have you not heard?
0: Um, Actually, you know what? What's a little surprising to me is not many marketers value their own personal content. They're so, and I get it they're so focused on building a brand for a company when it's really not that hard to do it for yourself as well. And there are a few marketers that are doing a great job with it. And again, I understand why it's like the dentist that has crooked teeth or (laughs) hopefully this doesn't apply to us, but the website agency that has a crappy website, they're just so busy getting results for their clients or, or their, their company that they don't do it for themselves. But It's just interesting to me to see that marketers have this knowledge on branding, uh, on brand building, on content, on just a topic, and they don't put their knowledge to use to build a brand for themselves. It's really not that hard to do since you already are doing it for a company. And I think that's something I notice is LinkedIn is such a great place to get exposure and maybe up your your career and go from... a manager to one day a cmo because someone saw your content on linkedin and uh they're just not doing it they have 700 connections and barely get on and i think it's just something that's slept on a lot in the marketing world
1: yeah i would agree with that a lot uh you've made you've had some really good posts on how to do that i've read which has been helpful for me i have one question on this um it would be, this advice is helpful for me but i'm sure it's helpful for others how do you think about the intersection between your personal brand and what the, your company does? Do these things should these things overlap to some degree, or should they just be separate? And how do I, how do you think about that as a you know as a person who wants as a marketer who wants to build their personal brand?
0: Um, for me, because I have a vested interest in the performance of my business, I want it to tie in. So if I was talking about um, leadership. I don't really see how that would tie back into being a ton of value. I'm sure it would. I don't think it would be extremely valuable to tie into us as a website agency. Um, So for me, having a financial vested interest in the company, I want to talk about something that ties into our company. If you are a marketer with a stake in the company, and maybe you invested, Somehow tie it in. You're going to be there for the long term, or if you are the CEO, uh, you're you're a co-founder or founder, and you're in there for the long haul. I would definitely tie it into your company. It's only going to drive demand back to your company when you talk about things that are interesting to your ideal buyers. Now, let's say that you are an SDR or uh, a marketer or whoever's listening to this, and you know you're not going to be at your company forever, but you would like to be more valuable that gives you a broad spectrum of topics to pick from and start building a brand on. And I don't think it needs to tie into your company per se. Um, but it does need to be valuable to an audience that you're trying to grow and identify who that audience is and identify that topic and stick to it. Um, that's how I would look at it.
1: That's really good. Appreciate that. Got time for one more. I have one more question. I do. Let's you. go. Let's go. Um, obviously we're, passionate about our website and we tweak it and change it all the time. or going through that process. What, what do you find uh, um, is the biggest mistake people make when they, when they think about their website and what to, I would what to change. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's so many, I try to mix it up. Um, <laughs> the biggest, the biggest thing I see with websites is they don't understand how much their buyer knows about the industry. And they talk at a level that they expect their buyer to understand, and they just end up confusing them. So what I mean by that is buyers for us, right, are are marketers at, at B2B companies, and they might get some web development lingo, but I can't be talking about that on our website because it doesn't matter to them. Now, if we were talking to other developers, which we're not, we could dive into the lingo even more because they understand it. So one of the fundamental mistakes I see, especially in the SaaS world, is they just assume their buyer knows everything about the industry and they talk so deeply on the topic and just hope that they understand it. And they probably aren't. Maybe they are. Maybe you did some research and you talked to customers to hear the language that they use. But that is what I'm finding is a fundamental issue with a lot of websites. Um, and to tack on to that. <laughs> It, it kind of correlates here is they try to cram everything into the homepage as, that even reload, remotely relates to the product. Um, that would be issue number two. I had to throw that in there, but uh it doesn't need to be that way. Uh, talk at your, your buyer's level, make sure you understand them um, at a deep level. And that's, what's cool about this podcast right now is I get to hear how marketers are are just communicating and it just helps me down the road um, for my business. So definitely take that into consideration.
1: I love that. That's helpful. Thank Mm -hmm. you very much. Um, Makes me feel better too. And I look at other websites, I'm like, man, like five, five spot carousel at the top, plus plus this, plus this, plus this, plus this. And it's like, I don't even need to look at the rest of the site. I guess everything's right here on the first page.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it, I would say definitely include as much as you can, but there's a point where it's like, look, this doesn't need to be here. You're just confusing people and making it harder than it needs to be. And if they want to go looking, guess what? They're going to take the the time to go do that, make it easy for them in the nav, but not everything has to be right there when they land, uh, just make it easy to get a demo and then explore more if they want to.
1: Yeah. It's funny, like. We talk all the time, marketers are big on talking about stories and brand and the journey. And then they create a website. It has none of those things.
0: <laughs> it's so true, man. It's almost like it's thrown out the window. And it's yeah. interesting because um, what i found is you can go two different directions with a website. So if you if you are running SEO and that's your main go-to-market strategy is content through search engines, When someone comes to your website, they obviously don't know much about your brand. So therefore, more stuff needs to be put there, more explaining needs to be done. But I see companies that are focused on generating demand, building a brand, and putting out a ton of content on social, and their buyers literally know exactly what they do, who they are, what they service, or what they provide, and they've been following their content for six months. And then they go to the website that is optimized for someone who's never, ever heard of their brand and they're overwhelmed. Yeah. So you kind of have to pick a lane and say, well, are we going to be focusing on SEO and providing a deep website that educates or are we going to slim it down, streamline it? Because we're doing all the footwork, they're 90% ready to buy now. And then when they landed the website, it just has to push them over the edge, get them the final 10% of the way with booking a demo or whatever it is.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I like that a lot um the idea of picking a lane um we've also started looking at i'd love to get your thoughts on this like we've i often talk to the team about um website efficiency and how do we know it's working Mm -hmm. and so one of the things we've i'd love kind of your thoughts on this what we look at today is the anecdotal conversation between us and sales we've eliminated by saying listen Every time somebody requests a demo, we can tell you how many pages they look at. And we know above a certain pages, certain number of page views that they are educated. Mm-hmm. Therefore, like you can start your sales conversation in a different spot. You don't need to kind of start at the beginning. What are other things that you advise clients to do um, to determine if the, what they have on their website is working for them or not?
0: I think the easiest thing you can do is get hot jar or something similar. If you're not familiar with it, it mm. is a heat map and then screen recordings. And just get a feel for what people are doing on the website. Are they clicking deeper to get an understanding of your product and going into the product page? Are they immediately going to pricing? What do they do when they're on that page? If, you're, if you have the screen recordings and the heat maps, you can tell what they're reading, what is interesting to them, what they're skipping that you thought they were reading that's an important one. <laughs> maybe yeah. for the CEO that wanted this section on the home page, it had to be there. <laughs> you can prove that, hey, they're, they're skip right, skipping right over the section. That is my go-to when it comes to finding out what is actually being consumed on a website. And it's tough. Obviously, you can't do it for every single um, buyer or prospect that comes into the pipeline or whatever. And and you tell sales, hey, this is exactly what they did on the website. But at least you get an overall feel for yeah, yeah. maybe how the nav is working. Maybe I, I, we use it on our website and have been able to identify issues um, like, oh, that wasn't working. Good thing we can go in and fix just because someone tried to click on it three times yeah. Yeah. and it didn't work. Um, so that that gives you a really good overall feel of, of what's happening. I like that. That's helpful. Thank you. Awesome. All right, I'll stop asking. I like it. This is, this is fun. Um, well, cool, man. I appreciate you, you hopping on joining me, um, being a good sport and being a cool podcast host near the end there. I like that. Um, before we go, I, I would like to know what exactly you guys do at narrative science. Give us the elevator pitch for 60 seconds on what exactly you guys provide.
1: Yeah. Our mission is to make data understandable for everyone. And we, what we mean by that is everyone in the company. And so, um, The way most people do that today is through dashboards and reports. And we think there's a better way. And what we've done is we've pioneered a technology that takes your data and turns it into human language.
0: Very cool. And so instead
1: of looking at a dashboard, you can just have the the data tell you in words, in your own language, what's going on in your business. And that's what we have.
0: Sounds like that's what the CEOs need to look at, right? When it comes to stuff. (laughs) They (laughs) do find English.
1: It's it's yeah. It's what you find uh, very clearly. Most people come and say, "Listen, this is exactly what my executive leadership team's or my managing mm-hmm. my management team needs because what we're giving them today absolutely doesn't work." That's yeah. unanimous, um, which is great when you're when you trying to create something new and people tell you how broken the status quo is. Um, it gets you a lot of it gives you a lot of confidence that you're on the right track.
0: Mm -hmm. very cool man well Cassidy thanks so much for hopping on the episode uh, on the podcast I should say and uh, appreciate you, you being a guest today
1: yeah thanks Sam for having me really enjoyed it good luck with everything
0: thanks man